When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM. All right, hour number two. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Good morning, Sports Station, 106.3 KXO. Nick Olson covers Iowa State. He'll join us uh, toward the bottom of the hour right now. Rob Doster, Field of 68, uh, doing a terrific job over there. Goodman, Prome, etc. Doug Gottlieb was part of it over the weekend. Uh, We'll get into that in a few minutes, but we have to start, Rob, with the... uh, And so much going on in the world of sports, right? Some terrific basketball, college basketball from over the weekend, yet everybody's talking about the incident at the end of the Michigan-Wisconsin game. How are you? <laughs> I think I think I'm holding up. You know, I'm trying to. I'm yeah. trying. To, I'm trying. I'm trying to be okay over here with all of the uh, the hand wringing and um, yeah, it's been yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, Juwan it, Howard. Why'd you have to do this to us, Juwan? Why'd you have to do this? I totally agree. And and uh, clearly, it, had, it didn't have to get to this. In fact, it's ridiculous that it did get to this. I mean, he's got two starters in apparently, and he's he's pressing, and they're they're down fifteen. What's guards got every opportunity and every right at that point when one coach is is coaching, but the other guy's just supposed to let his uh, let the other team do what they want to his. Now he's going to call timeout, and I have no problem with it. Uh, so let's let's fast forward to the end game here. See, I Rob. would I would I would I would push back a little bit on that. Okay. Um, there's there's 14 seconds left, right? Guard knows exactly what he is doing in calling that timeout. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly the way it's going to come across. He knows exactly what's happening. He knows exactly the way that is viewed, um, like in in basketball circles. I think part of the reason that he did it is because uh, I, I don't I don't think that there's a lot of love lost between Jawan Howard and some of the other coaches uh, in in that conference. So. Um, with all, when it comes to Wisconsin, like I don't, I, I can really do without their whole kind of "woe is me, we got attacked, we're victims." No, but you, you guys knew what you were doing when you called that timeout, right? You, they knew what they were doing, and um, I, that doesn't justify what uh, what Jawan Howard did. And if there was like a, a, a quote unquote like villain in this, I guess it probably deserves to be Jawan Howard. You can't. He did the one thing that you cannot do. Right. He struck cannot, another coach. Right. Yeah, you cannot. You cannot swing. Right. You cannot do that. But what about the uh, fact anybody, that? Any, what you you had no problem with the fact? I mean, he's down fifteen points. There's fifteen seconds left. What's he doing with the with the full court press? What, if he's gonna if he's gonna play, what, what then? Then why shouldn't guard be you know allowed to? Because if if Howard just lets the Wisconsin backups walk the ball up up, up over the the timeline, game's over. Yeah, but it, it's also like. The great guard can do a lot of things to make it very clear what he's doing and why he's calling that timeout. You can have an assistant go down and talk to somebody. You can um, you can you can wave somebody down. You can let them know before it happens. You can say, "Hey, uh, I'm just I'm calling this timeout because this rule allows us to get an extra ten seconds since you are pressing." Right? There are there are ways to be able to handle this, and 
Wisconsin did not choose to use any of those ways. And that does not justify uh, what Juwan Howard's reaction to the situation was. But I, I firmly believe that Wisconsin knew exactly what they were doing. And I don't want, like, I, I'm just, I'm not here for their woe is me, we're victims stuff. Like, you, you guys knew what you were doing. There's a reason why you did this. You knew exactly what you were doing, and you knew the reaction that it would get. Just because uh, you got that reaction doesn't justify the fact that you were needling somebody to to get that reaction, right? Like, uh, I mean, think about it, it, with your kids. If, you're, if your older child is, uh, is needling your younger child and the younger child finally reacts, you can't just punish the, the, the younger child for reacting. It's the fact that they got egged on in that situation. So I don't – I get what you're saying, but – Wisconsin knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. This wasn't a, this wasn't it wasn't a mistake that it worked out that way. That's that's just kind of how I, I view the situation at this point. You guys knew what you were doing. I don't I don't, I don't need the, Rob, the, the, the victim card. This is the second incident for Jawan Howard in less than a year. Happened mm-hmm. in the Big Ten tournament last year as he was fired up and going after Turgeon. We saw him Thursday night freak out in the Iowa game in the first half and get a tee there and then pick up a second picking up a live ball, but that has nothing to do with this. It does feel like, at least on the surface, and I don't watch every Michigan game, I'm not deeply invested like some other people, that he runs hot and that there might be some anger problems. We hear that a lot about Fran McCaffrey, and that he runs too hot and it's not good for the game. What about Juwan Howard? It feels like, to me, something's off with this guy and he needs some counseling. He needs some help. He needs Phil Martelli to pull him down when he's starting to go off like this because this is becoming a multitude of incidents that come up with Juwan Howard. Yeah, it's not the first time. And and that is absolutely something that has to be addressed and mm-hmm. is something that I'm sure is going to be addressed uh, when it comes to um, you know Ward Manuel and the way that this thing is going to be handled, right? Like, you, you got to stop with it, man. Come on. Like, this is, this is too much, right? You have to set an example. And to me, here... Here's the biggest, the biggest loser in all of this, right? The guys that are going to get hurt the most are the players that were throwing punches. And the reason I say that is this. In any kind of situation, you're, you're going to tell somebody, one, to protect yourself, and two, to protect your teammates, right? That's something that we celebrate. Think about what happened with the Clemson player that tackled Wendell Moore out of the air. What were we all saying? Wow, why isn't that Duke bench getting out there? Like, if that happens to somebody on my team, someone's getting hit, there's going to be a response, Right. There's a reason why we talk about how um, if you throw out one of our players on a baseball diamond, you're going to get your star player is going to get hit, right? You protect your teammates, and to me, that is what Musa Diabate was doing, yeah. that is what Jacob Neath was doing, and that is what Terrence Williams was doing, right? The way that the, what happened there, uh, Musa Diabate started swinging at Jacoby Neath because he saw Jacoby Neath swinging at Terrence Williams. The reason Jacoby Neath was swinging at Terrence Williams is because Terrence Williams was hitting a Wisconsin assistant that knocked him into the stands. The Wisconsin assistant knocked him into the stand because he got pushed over as a result of the scrum that happened because Jawan Howard threw a right hand at a Wisconsin assistant, right? And that set off all that stuff with those other players. Those players, let's call it what it is, are young black men that are going to now have the fact that they were throwing punches on national television and a handshake line attached to them wherever they go. They're going to be the ones that does. Jawan Howard's worth a hundred whatever million dollars, right? He's worth nine figures. He's going to be fine. Nothing's going to come out of this for him. Joe Krabenhoff, nothing's going to, maybe it'll take him a little bit longer to get a head coaching job, but he made plenty of money playing professionally. He's got a six-figure salary. He's going to be fine. Greg Gard, he's going to be fine. The players that are hurt are the, uh, the 19- to 20-year-olds that are caught on camera throwing punches because they were reacting to a situation 
that was created by Greg Gard, Joe Kravenhoff, and Jawan Howard being immature and being unable to handle the position of leadership that they were uh, put in. It is a failure by those three men and the guys that are going to pay the longest price and the biggest price of the kids. And that, to me, that should be unacceptable. I think Jawan Howard should get minimum five games, which is the rest of the regular season, mm-hmm. uh, as a suspension. I think Greg Gard should get at least one, probably two, and I think mm-hmm. Joe Kravenhoff should get two and probably three. What the players... You got to spend them for at least one. You throw a punch, mm-hmm. right? That you cannot do that. You cannot swing. You throw a punch, you get a game. I think each one of those guys should get one game, and then we should move on from it. They did what we'd expect them to do. They were protecting their teammates. This was a failure of leadership, and the people that need to be punished the harshest are the ones that are supposed to be the leaders. I totally agree with you. Uh, what did Krabenhoff do? Do you know where? What, what do you think um, um, caused Howard to snap the way he did and strike out at him? Did he say anything? Have we, have we got that part of the story yet, Rob? Uh, I haven't seen what he said. Um, I don't think anyone was reported what he said, but I do know that he, like you can see him on the video, uh, reach out and touch two different Michigan players like coach your own team man come on yeah like that's not it's not your job to be pushing other people away um yeah so he was he was wrong for what he did and I think that he would probably tell you as much uh today you you cannot you cannot put your hand on another team's players the way that he did I think Juwan Howard if you asked him in a moment of uh of honesty he would probably tell you that um the reason he did what he did was because he thought he was protecting his guys that doesn't make it acceptable for the head coach of the University of Michigan basketball team to throw a punch, slap, mush, smush, whatever you want to call it. He threw a hand. You mm-hmm. cannot do that if you are Jawan Howard. That is absolutely unacceptable, and he's got to be punished accordingly. From that, and it is a story that is going to dominate. We'll hear from the Big Ten here, I would guess, shortly on a suspension, additional suspension maybe coming from Michigan. Still a lot of fallout that's going to come with that. Ultimately, though, Rob, this is a good thing. College basketball trying to get back in there our first Sunday without football, and well, we get something like that. It's yeah, it's a bad look for obviously for Michigan and Juwan Howard, non and non and non. But for college basketball, always trying to get just that little nugget, and I'm sure you see it in the metrics. I'm sure a lot of people were flipping on field of 68 yesterday and last night. <laughs> yeah, it definitely did help. That that was that was not a bad thing for uh, for the old business. Uh, drama is good for business, as they say. Yeah, indeed. So let's get let's get to the weekend, Rob, because it sadly is going to overshadow some terrific results, right? I mean, even starting the the first game on Saturday morning, uh, Illinois Michigan State was a really fun game, uh, and then culminated last night, at least locally here with us, with uh, you and I uh, doing what they did to most states. So there been some big scores. My, maybe my biggest takeaway from all of the games, Rob was Kentucky, and this on the heels of Calipari coming out and saying, you know, we're probably going to lose a couple of games because our focus is getting everybody right uh, for the tournament. His backcourt's not uh, not uh, not able to answer the bell. Alabama's got a good lead in this basketball game, and here comes Kentucky. Uh, they're as impressive right now as, as anybody in the country in my eyes. What about you? Yeah, they're, they're very, very good. I think if you were going to make me today, um, a healthy Kentucky is probably what, like a top three, four team in college basketball. When when Severe Wheeler is there, and when Ty Ty Washington is there, and when they have their whole team, I, I mean, it's just it's so impressive what Cal's been able to do to get all of those guys to buy into what their jobs are going to be. Right? It, the the one of the knocks that we always have on Kentucky is, is they don't always necessarily have the role guys to embrace 
what they're being asked to do necessarily, right? And I think that they 100% have guys on this team that are that are embracing the job that they're being asked to do. And look, we, we, there's a lot of people that criticize Cal for his coaching ability. And I, I've, I've been one of them in the past. And I think that this year, the job that he has done, getting those guys to buy in and play the, the way he wants them to play, uh, he, to me, is very much in the mix for National Coach of the Year. Um, I think that him and Bruce Pearl are probably going to be the two guys that we're talking about for uh, uh, SEC Coach of the Year when it's all said and done. So uh, you got to give him a ton of credit. He's, he's been able to get this team to play the way that he wants them to play. And look, this is very different than any Cal team that we have seen in a long, long time. Do you know how old these guys are? Yeah, Oscar, Older than Oscar normal. Weighs, yeah, Oscar Sheep weighs 22. Yeah. Kellen Grady is 24. Yeah. Davion Mintz is 23. Jacob Toppin is 21. Um, Keon, uh, Keon Brooks is 21. Every single one of those guys, I don't know technically what their uh, grade or what year they're in because they are, um, like the COVID stuff has, like, mm-hmm. I, just, I don't, I don't know what's what anymore. Um, mm. But those two guys, or those, those five guys have all been in college for at least three years. And Cal has them playing this well. Like it's, it's a testament, man. He's been, he's done an unbelievable, unbelievable job with this group. Mark Adams, another guy that's certainly going to be in consideration yeah. for National Coach of the Year. Texas Tech going on the road, beating Texas. You figure, all right, back home. We'll, we'll have the split of the season series. Not the case there. This Texas Tech team, they're tough. They're good. We saw them play for a championship a couple of years back. How high is the ceiling for Texas Tech and the job in year number one? Mark Adams, your thoughts? I, I, I think they're Final Four good. I, I really think they, they can get there. Um, they are so so, so good defensively and so difficult to play against. They're tough. They have a bunch of guys on that team that that uh, understand what their jobs are, and they're very much is like a next band up mentality within that program, right? Because think about it. Terrence Shannon's like been in and out of the lineup. He hasn't been himself at all this season. They've been missing Kevin McCuller in, in, in recent games, and it, it hasn't mattered. They're still out there winning. They're still out there playing some of the best basketball of any team um, in the Big 12. Now, if you're going to ask me what my concern is, it's point guard play. Yep. Right. Do they do they have a great point guard? That I don't know. Do they have a guy that can kind of settle things down at the end of a game? We saw in the game against Texas that they they got rattled and they couldn't really deal with the press down the stretch. Right. That is a concern. That is something that they're going to have to address. That's something that they're going to have to work on. That is a problem that I think is going to uh, is not going to necessarily go away just with a couple of extra weeks of practice. Uh, but all that said, like they, they are great defensively. Imagine trying to prep for that defense <laughs> on one day rest. Think about that. That's what's going to happen. You win your first game of the tournament, your second game, that, that group gets one day to prep going up against you on uh, on, on 48 hours rest. That's, that is what we call nightmare fuel. <laughs> Is a little salty, Rob. Is there a top ten team that, uh, for whatever I mean, the, the coaches are are they they're buying in or whoever's buying in that you're not? Is there a top ten team that uh, that you're just not sure of? Uh, man, um, I will say this: I, I think that Villanova is a little bit overhyped at this point. Um, I, I think that they're living a little bit on kind of what the the Villanova legacy and the Villanova brand is. Uh, and I do think that they are a team that doesn't have a pro. Now, all that said, it may not matter because those dudes are so tough and they never get rattled. Like I, I, I hope people realize 
just how mentally strong that group of kids is. Like they don't they don't get rattled for anything. It's unbelievable. Um, but they don't. They also don't have a pro. Like when they won all their national titles, think about it. Think about how many NBA players were on those rosters, from Jalen Brunson to Ryan Archidiakno to uh, to Josh Hart to Mikael Bridges to Dante DiVincenzo to Eric Pascal to Amari Stoll. Like they had pros on pros on pros on pros on pros. Like four or five guys that were first round picks that are now role players in the NBA. They don't have those dudes this year. So um, I think that that needs to be put into the conversation when we're talking about what this Villanova team is. But again, like they're also good enough that it may not matter if they don't have the, the, the pros of this year's team. Like they're just they're so tough and they're so old and they're so experienced and they're just the, the moment is never going to be too big for them. Last thing, Rob, we'll get you out on this. Back to the local front. Finishing up, Iowa gets their first quad one victory on the road at Ohio State. Nice one for the Hawkeyes. Your thoughts on them? And Iowa State, after uh, it had turned into a rough conference play, they win back-to-back games, a roadie at TCU, and then just demolish Oklahoma over the weekend. Your thoughts on the Hawkeyes and the Cyclones? Uh, I think think Iowa is one of the more dangerous teams nobody's talking about because how, how often are they not going to have the best player on the floor? How often is Keegan Murray not going to be the best player on the roster or, or on the court when they're playing, right? And that's something where in the tournament, sometimes just having the best guy is going to be enough to get you to the next round. Um, so I do think that's something uh, not enough people are kind of talking about. Uh, with with Ohio or with Iowa State, though, like I just they kind of are what they are, man. Like they're a tough defensive team that's probably a year away that's probably a little bit too young to really be a threat in this year's tournament. And I think the fact that we are having a conversation about whether or not they can get into the big dance uh, tells you all you need to know about the job that, that TJ has done with that group this season. They're, uh, they're, they're really, really good regardless of the way that this thing kind of plays out for them. Uh, good stuff, Rob Doster. Really enjoyed your Saturday night conversation. Prom's really good at this. Uh, you and uh, Goodman and Prom on Saturday night getting into the Texas Tech point guard stuff. Uh, uh, your, your appointment uh, watching on Twitter after, uh, after it comes to an end on Saturday night. Great stuff, Rob Doster. Congratulations. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next mon- Monday. Thanks, guys. Always good to catch up. Yep, good to talk to you. Rob Doster, Field of 68. Do you watch that at all, Trent? Every once in a while, I'll flip it on. Yeah, get a good 10, 15 minutes. I watched a little bit yesterday as they kind of had the instant reaction after the Wisconsin-Michigan game, and and that came out. But, yeah, they do a good job. I've always been a big Goodman fan. I think he's very good in the space and understanding his role. Doster, he's just a funny guy. You know, he, he gets it, and... We could have gone a little bit different path there with Doster. We kind of set our piece at the top on the Michigan-Wisconsin situation with Juwan. I understand what he was saying. I, it just, it ultimately it started and it ended with Juwan Howard. That, exactly. that was the one that I kept pushing back on. No, hundred yeah, percent. You're hundred percent right. Look, if he if he doesn't decide, we're going to put a full court press against these backups, kids that you know see the floor maybe for a minute in blowout games. Uh, <laughs> try to embarrass them a little bit. I, I don't understand it. Well, of course, Card's going to call a timeout. No. If Howard's coaching, guard can't. Guard can't stick up for his team. Now, the, the stuff that, you know, that maybe, um, went into the body of work, uh, to make Rob's opinion, um, the way it was against Wisconsin, I, I can't, I think it just clouds the issue. Uh, I think you gotta remove that stuff and just look, look at what we saw. It's all on Jawan Howard. I'm sorry. Did guard put his hand on him? Yeah, but I truly believe that he was, this is why I did it. This was not him trying to admonish. 
uh, Jawan Howard or ridicule Howard or pick a fight with its six foot ten Jawan Howard. That's not what we were witnessing here. Let me explain why it got to this point. I do not know what the assistant said. Uh, I did see Williams right over Howard's shoulder in it, and then Diabate gets involved. Um, it was just a it was it was bad. Trent, it's there was so much other stuff that happened this weekend, and that's what everybody's going to focus on. Regardless, during that time, yeah, during that time, Providence, I was bet on the game. That's why I was watching them flipping back and oh, forth. They're playing Butler. Yeah. They're now 19. Yeah. Pro- Providence gets another win. Ed Cooley, speaking of that national coach of the year, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got to be right there in the mix what he's the done with this Providence team. They're down 19, and they come back and win the game, and nobody's talking about that, and nobody's talking about Texas Tech getting the season sweep against Texas, mm-hmm. and on and on and on. It dominates, but. For a, uh, we love college basketball. We talk about college basketball all the time. On a national scale, though, these are the kind of things that are actually good for the game. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but yeah. these are the things that ultimately you need to get PTI. They're going to sit there, and they're going to take out of their 22-minute program today, mm-hmm. probably five minutes of it is going to be dedicated to talking about this. Ultimately, that's good for college basketball. Yeah, it is. It's it's unfortunate, and I agree with you that the college basketball is the story, but... You know, there were so many good games over the weekend. Auburn going down by a point. Arizona, uh-huh. I mean, hair on fire beating uh, Oregon on, on Saturday night. The, the Kentucky win. Uh, the heavy heads in the Big 12. Illinois picking off Michigan State. And then Izzo coming out and complaining about the officials. You know that they're going to get a good whistle tomorrow night in Iowa City. That's mm-hmm. totally Tom Izzo planting that seed in advance uh, of their next game, in my opinion. But so many good stories from the weekend in college basketball and we're talking about a brawl uh, at the end of it speaking of that yeah and, and we'll break down iowa michigan state obviously a lot more tomorrow uh do you know what the, have you seen what the ken pomeroy projected point spread is going to be for the game tomorrow take a guess i trend i don't know I, I would think that probably michigan state's a slight favorite you'd be wrong iowa's favorite okay not only is Iowa favored, they're a convincing favorite by six. Wow, six points! Iowa the favorite. Michigan State's not That's playing surprising. well. I mean, they, no, they're not. No, they're not. And until the what final five minutes of the game, when finally yeah. all the young guards started to go off for mm-hmm. Michigan State, they're they're going the wrong way in a hurry. Would it be three straight losses for Michigan State? This team was in the top eight nationally, and now they're not good. Not good, but you're right. Izzo, he's going to be working those officials, oh, yeah. and they'll probably get a good one coming up tomorrow. Yeah, they lost four out of five. They've lost four out of five. Lost to, five. to Penn State and then losing at home uh, against Illinois. We'll talk Iowa State next with our friend Nick Oson uh, from CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Massive win for the Clones, beating Oklahoma. Uh, the way they did it, I don't want to say a massive win, uh, it was a good win, don't get me wrong, but the way they did it, they looked like Iowa State. What got them uh, off to the start that they did not hadn't seen that brand of basketball in a while, uh, and it was on full display at Hilton Coliseum on Saturday afternoon. We will talk to Nick Oson next, Miller and Condon, on a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Miller 
Condon, welcome back. Just past 11.30 on a President's Day Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Well, we talked a lot of college basketball. Iowa State, a big win uh, as they knock off Oklahoma. Nick Oson, Cyclone Alert, 24-7 Sports. He joins the program. Uh, Nick, as always, thanks for coming on. Trent and Ken, uh, we'll get to uh, TJ's uh, press conference uh, at some point. But, uh, man, oh, man, it was it was good to see Iowa State clearly focused on both ends of the floor. I haven't seen an effort like uh, that uh, since, um, I don't know, June, July, May, or June, July, January, December, January, you know, when they were diving for loose balls and um, really getting after the other team defensively. It was good to see the clones come out and play the way they did. Yeah, guys, very similar to, you know, kind of what I thought when they were in Norman for that first 20 to 25 minutes. Since I've covered the team, that's the most impressive the Cyclones have looked overall. I mean, obviously, the defense is the backbone, and they did a pretty nice job, especially defending the three-point line for most of the game Saturday. But this offense, it was really a different team to see so many of these shots, especially from long range, actually get into the hoop and kind of build on that lead for the home team. 19 assists in the ball game on the made buckets, and that goes a long ways. Yeah. 19 out of 33. They were moving the ball well, making those extra passes. Just look so much more efficient. And you know, after the losing streak, they win these next two games. But that four-game losing streak, do you believe, Nick, there was a come-to-Jesus moment? It was a players-only meeting, something like that, to, to bring these guys back in, go down to TCU, get that win, win the one against Oklahoma the weekend. What was the change, if anything? Yeah, I think that, you know, if there were things that I think it was absolutely from some of the leaders like a Brockington and Kelsher, uh, Otzelberger gave some of the seniors credit Saturday, especially those two guys for being leaders basically since the summer. And quite honestly, I think kind of the, the dejection and somewhat true anger and emotion that came out of TJ last Saturday, right after the Kansas State they debacle in that, you know, complete collapse. I think that really did instill some fire in these guys. They realized what they did in non-conference. You don't want to have something like that just go to waste. And now truly, you know, around the area in person, on, on the message boards, the, the feelings and the vibes are so different around this team right now. And it's really, it's, it's an exciting time to cover them. They've got a really clear shot now to get to the NCAA tournament. The, the work is not done, but we said last mm-hmm. week, Last week would tell us all we needed to know, and now I firmly believe the the odds and the chances are certainly in their favor to be dancing come March. Now, I couldn't agree with you more. They've got uh, certainly winnable basketballs coming uh, games coming up, with maybe the exception on the road at at, uh, at Baylor. I, I want to talk to you about Jaden Walker, who you know didn't see a lot of minutes. He didn't play in a lot of games. There was a you know a period of uh, of the schedule that uh, he he never even took his warm ups off. But all of a sudden, TJ's in, injected him into the lineup more so. Um, what's behind that? And he certainly looks like he's got a role on this team especially if he's engaged the way that he is. I know TJ talked about him after the game, um, and he said something that you can kind of maybe read between the lines a little bit as to uh, as to why he wasn't playing. But whatever reason uh, is behind the turnaround and the injecting him back into the lineup, uh, it, it, he's got some meaningful minutes on this team, Nick. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm, I'm glad you saw that Saturday. I thought kind of the way he ended that quote on Walker was certainly – 
interesting and somewhat meaningful, you know, for those that haven't seen it, basically saying just stick with things if they don't go your way right away. That's kind of a good lesson on and off the, the court, TJ said. And what I think about Walker is he might not shine in one aspect perfectly, you know, maybe like a, a grill from long range or Brockington from the mid range, but he does so many things well. He can he can use his length on defense, especially on the perimeter. He's got this knack for kind of making a play and finding a guy late in the shot clock, even when he tends to be off the dribble. I remember he's done that with Kelsher a couple times. He can get you a bucket. He fights on the glass. And you're absolutely right. I mean, no matter what the, the kind of reasoning and circumstances were, there's no question he's got a role. And I think he's a guy that's going to be a pretty important seven, eighth, ninth man when the postseason comes on both ends of the floor. He's got the talent there. Another important piece, I think, going forward is Tristan Enaruna. Probably played his best game in a month, I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say. Dealing with an injury, he's been banged up, I know, a lot this season. He's been working when he's off on the sideline, trying to get right. But when you look at Enaruna, his ability to play with some physicality, and I thought he brought that to both ends of the floor, both defensively and offensively, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that's funny. It was one of the names I had, you know, written down hoping to hit on. I actually asked TJ about it post game because, you know, he didn't miss a shot on offense. He provided some physicality, like you said. He's a huge energy guy, especially mm-hmm. down low. He has some of the most natural talent. And when he plays with that energy and physicality, there aren't too many better players, not only on the floor, but on this Cyclones team. I thought that was huge. I went in thinking he'd have a decent shot because you know, even though Oklahoma has size, they don't necessarily like to bang down low, right? They like to stretch it out with the Groves brothers. And I was really impressed with Tristan's minutes, not only from a mental aspect, but physically, like you said, not being afraid to kind of take it down low, bring it on both ends. And he's another guy that's going to be huge, whether Jazz continues to start or he, you know, makes his way back into the starting lineup. He's going to be huge come postseason because he can do so many things well. And there aren't a ton of natural, tough defenders that can really take care of him down low, both from a strength and length standpoint. I saw it. Uh, you retweeted it uh, at some point. Uh, right now, Iowa State would be in the they, – they would have the seventh seed in Kansas City at the tournament. So that avoids the play-in game, but it puts him up against the two. And as we sit here today, that's where Texas Tech resides. Yes, we there was a split uh, in this season when uh, when Texas Tech was so shorthanded. They're playing so well right now. Um, what's what's the best path? Is it uh, – I mean, who who's the team that Iowa State – doesn't want to see early in this. I mean, they're so good at the top, right? You Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech. It's almost like a pick your poison. Is there an easier path than uh, uh, than than one of the others? Yeah, it's funny. We kind of predicted how this was going to happen, at least with Texas Tech, a couple weeks ago. I believe you and I both were were very high on them, and they've kind of done this. I think the best way for the Cyclones is really to avoid the Red Raiders because Mm -hmm. they barely beat them, you know, when Texas Tech was missing a couple guys. Now they're playing some of their best basketball. A team like Kansas, loaded with with top-heavy talent, but I think Iowa State, as you you saw in Lawrence, can match up with them physically. It's just basically an issue of shot-making there. And Baylor, they just have so many guys, so much, you know, kind of championship pedigree. 
But I think that the team playing the best right now is Texas Tech. If they can avoid them, I think that there's a chance to make a run in Kansas City. But I think their best shot long-term is just to take care of business regular season, especially this week. And then if they fall out early in the Big 12 tournament, that doesn't hurt them as much for the seeding for the big one. Got a uh, football question, a recruiting question for you, Nick. Anything else on basketball? Yeah, just, just one more. Yeah, one more if you if I can, Trent. Just, just Nick. It, it seemed watching the game. It seemed like Iowa State kind of went small on occasions in that game. I don't know if they obviously they figured that was a matchup that they liked. Um, I mean, Coons played a lot of minutes, uh, but but Condon only played seventeen, and Robert Jones, who certainly had his moments uh, throughout the Big Twelve conference play, uh, he was only in there for a couple of minutes. So it was TJ. Asked a little bit about the uh, uh, the distribution of minutes. Obviously, there was uh, a concerted effort uh, to get some of the uh, the smaller, quicker guys on the floor against Oklahoma. Yeah, that's a great point. He wasn't necessarily asked about that per se, but I believe what went into it was the quickness of the Sooners' guards. I think that they're able to move pretty well, both on, on both sides of the floor, especially around the top of the perimeter. And also, it was a game where the shots were falling. And I think that because Oklahoma's big don't love to move around and defend out there, I think that gave Iowa State a chance to really stretch the lead. And guys like Hunter and Brockington kind of just took over. I mean, it was refreshing to see Kuntz continue to hit some shots. But really, the the Iowa State perimeter had the advantage in Saturday. And I think it was just a point of an in-game matchup and obviously advantage Cyclones with how that second half came through. Well, we talked with you last week, Nick, about the possibility and now the reality of them moving around, having the three open spring practices, and what that might do for recruiting. So I started looking at some recruiting stuff, and Jamison Patton, the young man from Des Moines Roosevelt, I saw 24-7, three crystal balls over there, all three of them predicting him to Iowa State. What's the latest on Jamison Patton, and where do the Cyclones see him at the next level? I know some people like him as a safety. Some people like him maybe as a piece offensively at wide receiver. Where does Iowa State see him, and the likelihood we'll see Patton committing here over the next month or two? Yeah, those crystal balls are are very interesting for Patton. He's one of the hottest names in the state right now, really regardless of sport. Great kid. I actually just caught up with him since I was last on the show. I believe if he goes to Iowa State, he will be at the safety position. He's a you know really good kind of natural fit there. So he would be on the defensive side of the ball, major target for the Cyclones. I do think the Hawkeyes have made a lot of kind of noise and, and pressure in that sense. I believe he's going to end up in state, but based on what I've heard and you know what he told me last week, I would not expect any type of commitment unless Alex Moda's commitment really changed things at least until mid to late summer. He's a guy that really wants to get to a lot of the schools that have offered him, obviously including the two in-state schools. Minnesota has made some moves for him. He was really impressed by their junior day. And I can definitely say he'd play safety. Iowa State is still one of the top choices, but there are some other schools, including the Hawkeyes, making a lot of noise for the talented Des Moines product. Good for him. Take as many visits as he possibly can. Make sure of his decision. Great stuff. Nick, thank you for doing this. Appreciate you coming on. We'll uh, talk to you next Monday. Thank you, Nick Olson. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Yep. Good to talk to you, Nick Olson, CycloneAlert.com. Trent, let's take a quick call. Jim's been on hold for 15 minutes. Don't want to make you hold through the break, Jim. What's on your mind? 
Uh, first of all, I just want to say I really enjoy your show. Thank you. The second thing is this weekend uh, in the ISU women's game, you'll the, about the best end of half play you'll ever see was done by Iowa State. Emily Ryan threw a uh, a pass from the end line to about the free throw line where Ashley Jones <laughs> caught it over another player, turned around and think too. It was kind of a Christian Leitner type play. <laughs> nice. So. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's all I yeah, Jim, thanks for thanks for sharing that with us. Appreciate it. And we're seeing a lot of that, Trent, in the in the state here. Yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, big win for the uh, for. And how about Bill Fenley, right? Uh, what a what a career he's had. What a career he's had. When it's when it's all said and done, um, look what he's went. Well, look what he's meant to Iowa State women's basketball. Well, and it was a wasteland. No, Trent, it was. I mean, there's no question. About, it was. Not just uh, they weren't very successful. Yeah. They were bad year in and year out, yep. going back to the Big Eight days and into the early years of the Big Twelve, and to take that job, build it into what he's had. And uh, people say this very well could be his best team mm. or a team with the best shot. We see the physicality of Texas; that can be a struggle for them. But with the right path, this team can make a run. And we were talking about this, I think, last weekend. The Final Four just up the road in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Maybe just may- can you imagine that mm-hmm. if they make a run to the Final Four and what Minneapolis would be like with the Twister Sisters up there? How awesome that would be! Yeah, be wild. Uh, good stuff. What a, what a weekend for uh, the local teams here. Um, just just spe- spectacular. All four of the men's team win. Three of the women's team. Of course, Drake knocked off uh, you and I. Drake tonight. Uh, tonight, seven o'clock. Indiana State tickets available. The Nap Center is the uh, home for that one. Obviously, uh, seven o'clock tonight. Drake, a big big win over Loyola. Well, we'll see if Trent's got some big winners to pass out. It's time for Circus Sports Play of the Day. But gonna take a break before we get to that. We'll be back with Trent's Plays of the Day, sponsored by Circus sports that's coming up next as we wrap up a monday on miller and condon it's des moines sports station 106.3 kxno all right welcome back miller and condon did you tweet that picture of you and your son trent i have not you should that's really cute uh, really cute yeah, we're we're nearing the end here. Jack is done with his movie, and he is ready to. He sees that sunshine outside. He is ready to go play. I'm ready to make some plays right now for circus sports. Oh, but nice! Yeah, coming to the end here, and the little man, he's uh, he's ready to hit up that sunshine here. What a beautiful day after yesterday, man! How lucky we've been, and it's gonna get ugly starting tomorrow. Yeah, Trent, I had balls yesterday. It was unbelievable. You t- I said, went on my front yard, so on my walk, it's, 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 there's a driving range, and if somebody knocks the snot out of one, it ends up on my walk yeah. path, so I pick it up and I put it in my pocket, knowing that at some point I'll, because it's right, golf course right across the street, I'll, I'll hit him into the golf course. Right. So I chose yesterday to do, it was kind of fun to be out in the front yard swinging and, uh, and hitting a golf ball. I had like 18 of them, uh, that I accumulated over last summer, so I gave them back yesterday. What are you going to do as far as your plays of the day? I'm looking hard at the Drake line. It's 11 currently at Circa. They're favored by 11 against Indiana State. The Sycamores are not very good. I'm looking at that one. Does feel maybe a touch high coming off the big victory on the road, so at least staying away. My automatic play, though, was Ohio State. After, of course, Iowa beats them on Saturday, they got Indiana coming in. 
The Hoosiers have been terrible on the road. The Buckeyes, until Saturday, have been great at home. Big number. You're laying six here. Feel good about that one. Get to play Ohio State minus the six. And also one from the Big 12 tonight. Going with the home team and another favorite tonight. Not my favorite, but I'm going to grab the three and a half and uh, lay them with TCU as they have West Virginia coming in. West Virginia at home against Kansas over the weekend. They didn't look very good here. Horn Frogs can't give this one away if they're going to be a tournament team. TCU minus three and a half. Good stuff. Well, uh, that's a quick turnaround for the uh, for West Virginia, right? On the road tonight and on the road uh, at Iowa State on Wednesday. So I guess they'll just. I mean, there's no sense going back to West Virginia. They would just. I would assume come oh. right to Ames at some point, right? Yeah, that makes the most sense, right? Maybe it does I don't to know. me they, too. They're flying. They probably just flying to flying into Des Moines, hang out here yep. for the day, and then up to Ames after that. I don't. I don't know exactly what it'll be, but. Yeah, going back to West Virginia doesn't seem like the best of road trips. And with, you know, the, we didn't have many canceled games this year, certainly in comparison mm-hmm. to last year. But now everybody's trying to make them up. And you're seeing this week a lot of teams in the Missouri Valley are having to play three games, Drake amongst them. You're seeing the makeup games really happening here this week. So there's going to be a lot of these games. The weird back to back, the Iowa women tonight, how about that? They get a win against six rank Indiana on the road on Saturday. Now they play him again here tonight at Carver hmm. Hawkeye. So you have all that going on. It's just a, an odd situation we don't see very much in college basketball. That is for sure. Good stuff, Trent Condon. Go play with Jack Condon. Uh, you guys have some fun yes. today. It's a busy day. A lot of, uh, lot of sports on today. Big hockey day. If you're an NHL guy uh, like I am uh-huh. uh, in about five minutes here, uh, Colorado and the Bruins, they drop the puck. Tyler, our Jets, uh, they play at 3 o'clock. Carolina and the Flyers this afternoon. Toronto, Montreal tonight is a big day uh, of uh, NHL hockey for those of you so inclined. Murph and Andy. In an hour and five minutes, the Fanatics will be here at 3. We'll be back tomorrow as we always are, Monday through Friday from 10 until noon. We're Miller and Condon. We sure appreciate you tuning into our radio program here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Have a great day.